0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Touché.
3: Recorded live. <laughs>
1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 10 of the uh, Garfield Question and Answer After Show here on Talk Shoe number 139335, humorously entitled Garfield, Goose, and Friends. This call is not associated with Neil, Living Lies, or his law firm or other interests. It is the sole responsibility of the friends of Neil Garfield. And I am your host, Greg DeGoose, coming to you live from the birthplace of the American Bar Association. The home of Abraham Lincoln, Al Capone, the Untouchables, and Operation Greylord, where the motto here is, vote early and vote often. This is about a one-hour program in which we hope that some questions and answers relating to discussions on the Living Lives blog might be addressed. The primary focus of our call is to discuss mortgage foreclosure, defense and attack strategies and related experiences. No accounting or legal advice is given herein, and if you need a lawyer or a CPA, please hire one authorized to work in your state. We'll start the call out with everybody needed, so please raise your hand by pressing star eight, and you'll be placed into the queue and brought into the call in the order of your request. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. Let's help each other. So where shall we begin? I have a little set of notes here that uh, kind of cover some headlines that I think are important to everybody before we get into the elbows and, and alligators of this. Um, as some of you might know, uh, one of my uh, youngsters actually works for a bank. She used to be a researcher for the Illinois State Legislature, and now she works for a bank. Um, brought to my attention that the American Bar Association is, uh got an action alert out for regulatory relief. They're trying to get their members to urge their your uh, House members and senators to approve House Resolution 1389 and 1233. These are respectively called the American Jobs and Community Revitalization Act and the Community Lending Enhancement Regulatory Relief Act, nicknamed CLEAR, C-L-E-A-R-R. Uh, the problem with these things is that they are asking our legislators in Washington, D.C. to approve the reduction and elimination of many, many, many elements of what exists presently in, in TILA and in RESTA and Regulation Z and in terms of the reporting strategies and everything that are required right now under the law for banks with respect to mortgages. Uh, because she had, my my relatives' husbands to work in the area of mortgages for this bank, um, she brought this to my attention, and uh, I found this to be very interesting. And I will post this link from the American Bar Association onto the chat board here in just a moment. If I can find where the doggone link is. Okay, doo, doo, doo.
2: there
1: it is. Too many windows open. There you go. So there's a link to the ABA request for everybody to jump in to that little the sandbox and support that. Um, another thing a very that's pretty interesting is uh, we have a case here in Illinois where... There are, it's been going on, I think, since about 2010, and they're making some pretty good progress. The last posting that we were able to find is about November of last year, and this is against Wells Fargo with regards to material material fact, false statements made with respect to Fannie Mae. And so I'm going to post that link up there for everybody to take a look at because it's pretty interesting, and uh, you might be able to find some useful information that you can use for your own cases. Um, Finally, uh, we can discuss uh, briefly, if you'd like, within the call, uh, some of the elements of uh, a previous call we had, where Patello up in Oregon was determined that rescission is final, and it the, the judge in that case pretty much nailed down the fact that Jezanowski settled the matter forever until they changed the law, so that that works. And that Wolf, the Wolf case down in Texas, in a state case, proving that standing by way of fraud by robot signing does not make for standing. So... Those are some of the things that have been happening and are developing over the last couple weeks since we met before Thanksgiving, and I should also mention, I hope that everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, with that, I'd like to introduce our surprise guest for the evening. Uh, tonight we have a gentleman who is going to offer us a different way of thinking just for perspective, We're not going to endorse this as a a legal method of doing what you want to do, but I want you to think about this as an inverse concept. We're frequently trying to get the bank or other plaintiff's lawyers to prove that they've got standing in our foreclosure cases. What if we put this whole thing on a lazy Susan and flipped it around by 180 degrees? In other words, what if the so-called defendant that you think is you, no longer existed for the plaintiff to sue. If that happened, who might they pursue? This is easy to think of in the event that somebody actually died, but what if there could be a legal death established by paperwork without you or as a man or a woman actually being dead? Tonight, to discuss this possibility, we've got Kurt Talen back with us a well known researcher in areas of lawful versus legal questions to share with us this idea and some successes that he and his family and friends have experienced by the use of such means and how they might be applied in some foreclosure suits where all other avenues have been exhausted. With that, I'd like to welcome Kurt to this night's uh, Garfield Goose and Friends, and uh Kurt, take it away. What do you got to say about that? Hi, Greg.
0: <laughs> Hi, Greg. <laughs> I'm here. Hey, I'm on uh, Highway 53 and stuck in traffic. How's that for you? Pretty good. <laughs> hey, um, you know, for those people that may have heard my name, they know that typically I would not be discussing anything like a a mortgage or any of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I I'm usually down the little more esoteric, Avenue. But I, after our, the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago, it, it was very intriguing because of the things that I found myself, which fits perfectly with that, that lead-in, thank you very much, about having the defendant in these mortgage cases actually disappear from the the, the, uh, the case, so to speak. And I don't even know where to... Where, where do you think I should begin on this? I, I, there's just You know, I mean, tell me, most people do know, I hope they know by now, that that the title that they're speaking about, or the foreclosure, is not on the brick and mortar. The foreclosure is on a title, which if people really look closely, the title is the name on the certificate of live birth. So... When sure, they, they and,
1: and, and to reflect on the two weeks ago's talk, Kathy, one of our friends from downstate Illinois, brought up the fact that the foreclosure is not on the property, it's on your estate.
0: It's on, it's on the title. In other words, in my case, the foreclosure would be on Curtis Richard Collenbach. What's funny about these, these mortgage cases, it's not really funny for people to have the sheriff show up at their door, but what's really happening is when they foreclose on that particular title, Then when the sheriff shows up, what they're really doing is getting the title holder. They remove the title from the brick and mortar, what you think is the house. So when the sheriff then gets the title holder or the title out of the house, out of the brick and mortar, the house becomes abandoned property. That's how they get the house. The brick and mortar is picked up through abandonment. It is not because the bank has a hold on the brick and mortar. The bank has a hold on a title which happens to be what most people believe to be their name. So this whole thing is, is a little scary for people when you realize that all all the sheriff has to do is get the title holder, i.e. Curtis Richard Kallenbach birth certificate I mean certificate of live birth holder out of that property because once they remove the title, the house is abandoned. That's how they get these houses. They don't get them through foreclosures on the brick and mortar. They get them through foreclosing upon the title. so And it brings something else to mind real quick, which is kind of a a tongue-in-cheek thought, but real estate, think about people selling real estate. If they really knew what they were selling, i.e. titles or names of people they know, that's almost, in a weird sort of way, if you look at it this way, they're selling people. Real estate agents are selling...
1: or Or a minimum identity theft.
0: That, well, that's what they're doing. They're selling identities. They're not selling homes. Well, actually that's not true either. Because home is where the heart is. <laughs> so I guess if you're if you're selling the, the the place where the heart is located, the physical body, I guess, yes, you are selling people. Anyway, um I digress.
3: <clears throat>
0: so point me in a direction.
1: So if the if a court case brought in civil courts is between two corporate parties, right? Right. Talk a little bit about how most of us and our lawyers are concentrating on having the opposite corporate party prove they have the right to do what they're claiming to do versus whether or not there is truly a corporate party on the defendant side of the case and what happens if there is not another corporate party for them to sue in a civil court
0: well let's just let, let's just use the word defendant so everybody knows what you're talking about the defendant again if and and this this is a big if i mean i know that it's true but it's an if in most people's minds um what if I could make a defendant disappear based on his change of venue? In other words, if you take the person of which they speak out of the case entirely so he's no longer there, the defendant disappears and the, there's nothing for them to hold on to in their jurisdiction. And that's Kurt, would, what that I'm
1: be, would, Kurt. would that be a change of venue or a change of status?
0: It's, it's both, because when you change your status, you change your venue. Because a living man cannot, he doesn't, he doesn't deal in the, in, the, in the world of fiction. So when you change your status, and I'm talking about private at this point. I'm talking about private property status. When you change that status and you remove yourself from the welfare state known as the democracy or the District of Columbia, when you change that status, when you remove, I like the word revocate. Uh, It sounds funny to say it that way, but um, a revocation is a change of position. So what I'm talking about is removing yourself from the District of Columbia status, which is that corporate position, and bringing yourself home out of D.C. with a revocation. It's actually called the Declaration of Revocation of Election. But when you revocate the – well, I'm just going to say it. When you revocate, when you remove – your property from the District of Columbia, you actually, the defendant disappears. It's really that simple. The defendant actually disappears, and now they have nothing to hold on to. There is no way the case can move forward because there is no defendant. Ultimately, it falls on the shoulders of probably the United States where it belongs in the first place. But, you know, that's just speculation. I would say the neatest thing about this is I already know it's true that when you remove when you remove yourself from D.C., two things occur. Number one, you go back into the world of the private man. And number two, the only place a bar attorney can practice law is within the territory that, or the District of Columbia. So when you remove yourself from the District of Columbia, you also remove any possibility of an attorney acting in the capacity of attorney from even being involved with your life. And so you can't be served process. processed you can't go into D C because you've removed everything from that place. So it's a revocation. You're you're changing um positions. You're cha- which is your status, by the way. So you're right. That's really is-
1: that's really interesting. That's very interesting. For for those that this might just sound like uh they're listening to Fox Mulder talk about aliens. Okay. <laughs> because if you follow me, you know, there's there's uh, some of this is a little bit far outreaching from ordinary thought as as the way people have been trained to think can you can you give you, you had mentioned that you know this to be true and you don't just think this to be true can you maybe share a little bit of your own personal experiences and your friends personal experiences with utilizing this kind of paperwork solution for yourself and them and some of the consequences and outcomes that you experienced already to give some validity to this, as opposed to just base speculation.
0: Yeah, I got two, what would appear to be um, dissimilar cases, and but but because I know how they're related, um, they're not dissimilar in my own eyes. So here's here's um, I wrote a little document called a waiver, and it's only thirty three words long, and it's extremely simple to understand for those people that are willing to learn it. But the waiver actually removes your hold upon um, basically federal property. And that's ultimately what you're doing, is you're letting go of your claim upon something that really isn't yours. And that's the thing that brings you into their jurisdiction. And so when you remove your grip upon their property, or what they claim to be their property, um, again... You're no longer a party. You, you're not a party of interest. You're not even there. Think about that. You're not even there. So the waiver, in, in, a friend of mine in um, Chicago uh, put this little waiver into a case. He didn't even know what the case was. That's what's so funny about this. His, my buddy Bob didn't even know what the case was. He said, Kurt, I'm so tired of this garbage. I'm so tired of this, these, these lies and everything that goes on in these, these, these courts, so-called. I'm not going to go. I said, "Well, that's up to you." I don't obviously tell anybody what to do. But Bob put this little waiver in the file. He went in right before the, the court opened that day, and he he told the clerk, "I want this in the file." That's you know the, the court file. They put the waiver in the file. Bob went home. He just went home. He's not going. He's not going in to that court. Um, two weeks later, he just happened to think about it. Uh, you know, there was no uh, contempt. There was no warrant for his arrest he looked online case dismissed all right so i asked somebody asked me me a couple weeks ago what was the case was it civil what was it i said i don't know i asked bob he goes kurt to be honest with you i didn't care what it was but and so he never did did find out what it was all about but he the case was dismissed because of this waiver because he took his grip off of the property that was subject to That's that's the only way I can end that sentence, by the way. He took his grip off of the property that was subject to that allowed the attorneys to participate. In other words, it's almost like you extradite yourself into federal territory by holding on to property that's subject to. In other words, it's like the 14th Amendment. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and blah, blah, blah and of the state wherein they reside. My point is... When you take your grip off of the property, when you waive your claim to any property that is not, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, that is not godly, you are no longer a fiction in the hands of the grips of the District of Columbia. There are only two worlds. I know there's multiple fictions, but there are only two worlds, reality and fiction. If you make it back to reality, you're not subject to the fiction. And that's what I'm talking about here is getting back to reality, which is funny because the word real estate is pretty obvious to me. And, <laughs> so, here's, and so that's, that's the waiver, how it worked in my, my buddy Bob's case. The second mm-hmm. thing is something entirely different in most people's eyes, but it's this <clears throat> my son, Alex, was uh, driving home from Madison, Wisconsin. And he got stopped by a, a deputy sheriff or whatever. And uh he got he got stopped or cited for um oh what's called OWI in Wisconsin, operating while impaired. That means that he could be tired. But they said he crossed the center line so they ticketed him. Um but they I think they brought him in and he may have even spent the night in jail. Um <laughs> my, my Anyway, so he gets stopped. He spends the night in jail. He calls me the next day, and he says, Dad, here's what happened. I said, you know what, On let, let me try to fix this first. And uh, he said, okay. So I wrote a letter to the uh, the clerk of the court in the, the county that he was stopped in.
4: I wrote a letter. I'll help you in a bit.
0: Um, told her that it was private property, that they were trespassing, and I did not want my property, my private property, co-mingled co-mingled with public property, which is the District of, District of Columbia, democracy property.
3: Um,
0: and, and I was very clear that what they stopped was my private property. I'm making a claim upon that property as the father. Okay. So I'm actually call, calling my son my property. Okay.
1: So right. and I that, gave and, you know, and, and other gentlemen like uh, Carl Lentz and his... Uh, Everybody, a lot of people on the call and are familiar with Carl Lentz. He's very big on common law, and men and women are property of each other because they're proper to you. That's what, that's what property means, something that is proper to you.
0: Well, what's, what's funny, though, is as much as I rail against the Roman Catholic Church, and for good reason, what I, quoted, I actually quoted in my, in my letters to the clerk, the clerk of the court, um, the uh, Pope out of, I believe, 18, 1886 or 1887 through what's called the Rerum Novarum. And this is on labor, on property. And what I did is I quoted the Pope saying that the father is the only authority in the family. In fact, the state has no say in the family. But, but he's very clear that the father has all the authority. So I, I actually quoted the Pope from um, Rerum Novarum, and I put it in my, my letters. You know, I, I always use the Roman Catholic Church if I can. I, I try to use the Pope's words to help out. Well, anyway, uh, I wrote three letters, ten days apart, never got a response. Never got a response. I also did copy um, the Attorney General of Wisconsin and the, uh, the Diocese um, Chancery in, in my hometown. So I made sure that the chancery, the Roman Catholic Church, knew what I was doing, and I also let the uh, the, uh, the, the the crown, i.e. Attorney General, uh, know what I was doing. Now that being said, here's the thing, I got no response. Three letters, three letters to the clerk of the court, um, three letters, uh, you know, cover letters to those other um, two recipients as well. No response. No. Re- I can't say that enough. No response. My son gets something in the mail, and he says, Dad... Whatever you were doing didn't work. Of course, I feel kind of crappy, but you know what? I did what I thought was right. Now, I send everything registered mail because I know that registered mail is, it qualifies as a service of process, so they got all of my letters, to service of process through registered mail, long before my son ever, ever hired an attorney or the case went statutory. I'm trying to be clear here. So I'm out in the living man realm as the father with the only claim, the only lawful claim upon the property that they stopped. Now, here we go. Nothing happens. They, they never do anything. They never say anything. My son gets a, a letter in the mail. He now is afraid. He says, Dad, I gotta, I'm going to go hire an attorney or something. This was kind of scary for me. I said, son, you're 23 years old. Do whatever you want to do. You know, Take care of it. If you think you need to do that, go take care of it. He hires an attorney, jumps through all the hoops, shows up at all the court. Proceedings, um, signs the documents, agrees to all the terms, case closed. He pays a 1000 bucks and what have you, and he says, It's done. At least I'm not going to jail. And I said, Hey, good for you. You handled it. A month and a half later, my son calls me and he says, Dad, you're not going to believe what just happened. I said, What's that? He said, My attorney just called me. I said, Oh, no. Now what? He goes, The case was dismissed. I said, Wait a minute here. I thought you said that stuff was handled a month and a half ago. He said, Yeah, it's all done. I said, they dismissed the case after it was already finished up, tied up, buttoned down, whatever you want to say? He goes, yeah. He goes, pretty weird, isn't it? I said, yeah. Imagine that. Well, what had happened was, because I didn't want my private property commingled with the state or the public property, what they finally realized was is that long before the case ever got into the jurisdiction, the statutory jurisdiction, the owner of the property came forward, identified it, made a legitimate claim upon the property, and kept it out. It should have never made it to statutory, the statutory realm. It should have never been there in the first place, so they were guilty of trespass. And so they made the case disappear after the fact. I went online.
1: Okay, no, look, it's very important here for everybody to hear this. Did you, your son, you or your son's lawyer, or the district attorney, or anybody make a motion to have it dismissed, or on whose motion was it dismissed?
0: The prosecutor dismissed the case six weeks after the case was finished, and it disappeared from the record.
1: There,
3: I talked, to a federal to. Prosecutor.
0: there I, I talked to a federal prosecutor, um, and he said, Kurt, I, I was a federal prosecutor for three years. He said, I've never heard of them revisiting the case and, and dismissing it after the case was decided. He said, I've never heard of it, and he was an attorney for 35 years. So what I'm getting right. at is there's two realms. There's, there's multiple versions of the fiction. I'm not interested in that. The only alternative is the world of the living. And w- it, the world of the living is real. And so you get to choose reality or the fiction, but you can't straddle. If you're trying to go about this stuff and, and there's an attorney involved, and I'm, I'm not going to bash attorneys, I'm just going to say if an attorney's involved, you already know you're in the District of Columbia because they don't have the legal means to practice outside of the District of Columbia. And that's a fact. I'm not making this stuff up. They have no ability to practice outside of the District of Columbia. It looks like they're on the soil of Illinois, but they're not. In fact, there's no attorney on Illinois soil that has the required subscribed oath. The Illinois law states that attorneys have to have a subscribed oath to practice law in Illinois, but they don't because... They're not in Illinois. They're in the state of Illinois, which is a political subdivision of the District of Columbia. They never, ever are in an Illinois courtroom. Neither are you, unless you're real. Once you may, in fact, there are no real courts. Remember, there's one other thing. I said I used the word God in my waiver for a reason. I understand what God is, and I'm not talking religion, but I just want to say that there's, there's, this is a caveat for everything that I'm talking about. The, very, the people that wrote the Constitution... Had they wrote a doorway into, I mean, a doorway for reality. So, the, the Constitution is a fiction. The Constitution is a contract. It's not reality. Here we go. What does the First Amendment say? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Nobody knows that the word "establishment" means house. So Congress shall make no law. That's no legislation whatsoever. No 14th Amendment, nothing. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, a household of religion, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And all all that has to happen is for your household, the House of Kallenbach in my case, to be a godly house. And there is no legislation. There is no law, statute, code. Nothing can come against my house if I have a godly house. So my point is that God, is in, God exists only in the world of the living. There is no God in the world of fiction. So when you find your way back to reality, the, the First Amendment, the very first line of the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law, and that includes mortgages, debt pledges. No law.
1: All right. Um, Kurt, uh, one of the, one of the uh, folks on the blog, said uh, we haven't had an article three court since 1933 does this play into
0: that yeah, absolutely but that's why you see congress shall make no law do you realize that if you find your way back to the world of the living you don't need the courtroom they, there's no statute there's no statute there's no speeding tickets there's no duis because a godly man lives by his conscience and his conscience let your conscience be your guide And when you do that, you don't need to be treated like a child, a child or ward of the court, a child of the state. Your father is not the state and your mother is not the church. You live in reality and you're treated like an adult and you're left alone completely.
1: All right. um, So that uh, folks don't uh, get crazy on waiting, um, I'm going to uh, open up the board for questions with regards to how you think that this might apply toward uh, folks for closure cases. All right. So uh, everybody, uh, press star eight to ask a question, um, and you'll get into the queue, and you can ask Kurt some questions with regards to the elements and things that he's done to uh, caused positive results in court cases in his own family and friend network and how those things might apply toward our foreclosure cases. Um, Who would like... I know that uh, somebody was here from another state, but I think that they had to go. Um, If nobody raises their hand, I'll just... uh, Pick folks at random to ask the question.
2: Can you hear me still, Greg?
1: I hear you fine. Um, okay,
0: South I just ca- want to say, South. I mean, I, you and I both know this seems a little crazy to be talking about this stuff on a mortgage type show. I understand that, but in reality, there is no such thing as a mortgage. Mortgages <laughs> don't exist in reality.
1: South Carolina. South Carolina, okay. you are oh, you are alive and awake. You, you raised your hand first. Go ahead, please. This is Kurt.
5: Hi, Kurt. Um, Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Neva, but they, I go by Louise on Living Lies. Um, <laughs> do you have uh, your system? Sounds very interesting. Um, do you have any writings about this?
0: None. <laughs> are you talking about that I've written or other people?
5: Well, all I care about is keeping my keeping my home, okay, or right. getting something out of it, you know. It's, I'm not really carved in granite to stay here forever, but I don't see why I should throw away $100,000 to a bunch of
0: crooks. You, the thing is, remember that until you make it back, and I, this is going to sound funny again, but until you make it back to the real world, somebody else is going to administrate what you think is your property. The moment you make it back to reality... You're, you're, the, you're the autocrat. You have all the authority, and they have none. And that's how crazy this is. As soon as people understand that they've given up all of their power by, I mean, of administration, all of it, and, and once you get home, i.e. back to reality, then these courts leave you alone. There is no mortgage. Remember in 1933, when FDR turned this place over to communism, what they did is they took all the money the substance from the people and they, and, and, and they gave them something to use in place of that, that substance. And, it, and it's an all caps name or, or a, a commercial fiction, a character. When you realize that the Federal Reserve note is for both public and private debt, see it acts in both ways. Greg's been using, um, what is it, t- titled or 12 USC 411 for years, which keeps his Federal Reserve notes on the gold standard, the gold side of the equation. And and there is a reality out there, but people don't know it. They keep falling back into playing a role or a character that was created basically when they were born. And so what you have to do is get rid of the state's authority over your world, over your property, get it back to the world of the private. And in private property, everything's already paid for because the government says American people... Uh, everything's paid for in advance at this point. You still got to work. You still got to do everything, but that mortgage cannot exist in reality. It doesn't exist in reality. I'll tell you what. If you're interested in some of the goofy stuff that I talk about, um, there is a there. A friend of mine put a, a, a WordPress site together for me a while back, and the, and the WordPress site is trustandcontract.wordpress.com. dot wordpress. dot com. It's all yeah. one word. Trustand. Trust trust
5: Contract
0: at .wordpress.wordpress.com. wordpress wordpress.wordpress.com. com. And and and, and, there, and there's some pretty nutty things in there, but that waiver that I spoke of earlier, yeah. I scanned I, I scanned my copy in there. And so you can see what that little thirty three words looks like. And it's pretty amazing.
5: That's what I
2: it's want pretty to
0: amazing. see. Say again?
5: I said that's what I want to see. I want to see what's been you know I want to see the written format for it.
0: It's, it's, it's a beautiful little document, and uh, seriously, the judge turned, I mean, as soon as he saw it in, in Bob's case, he dismissed the case because the, he had no authority, no jurisdiction. Remember, if you if you place yourself, and again, you don't have to be religious when I, to understand what I'm about to say. If God is, is your only judge, then where does man come into the picture? He doesn't at all. He does not come into the picture. So. Okay. Hey, I'll,
5: I try everything. I've been to litig- <laughs> eight years. I'll do anything. Doesn't bother me. I've been through bankruptcy, chapter thirteen and um then I sued them again for a breach of contract. Um I've been sued multiple times. Um uh, I have yet to try um a couple of other things another federal lawsuit uh because I'm stuck uh up at the federal level. So
3: All
1: right, well the the fascinating thing about this uh, and, uh, and by the way, the the current caller uh, from South Carolina has years of experience managing a law firm and being the office manager and all kinds of stuff. She's not other people on the call. Just understand, she's not you know talking out her out of her uh, out of her skirt here. You know, she's she's got a lot of personal experience with dealing with lawyers and the legal system and everything. So please. You know, take some of these things, you know, not just with a grain of salt, but also maybe with a little teaspoon of sugar, because there's a lot, of, a lot of wealth of knowledge expressed by people. And when somebody who has got that much experience in the legal system is willing to be skeptical and open-minded, you might consider that you ought to also.
5: Well, you know, the system is actually very plastic, if you're willing to get the trouble of messing with it, okay? You need to know your your civil rules, either your federal or your state. Recent change to the federal rules is extremely interesting because it's going to open up discovery to a much better system than it's previously in place. It's screwing homeowners like it was. So, I look, I am very happy about that change in the federal but you may or may not know that states adopt federal rules of civil procedure, their own. They use them. But, but there will be little things in there that are not exactly the same. The question is, here in my state, when are they going to make it uh, the same as the federal rule, which they do pretty much throughout the, their own civil procedure rules? So I'm looking forward to that, too. But if I do another lawsuit, it will be in federal, not in state.
1: Right and I think what the Kirk's also saying is that when is the state or federal court that we deal with going to recognize the status of a real woman or a man as opposed to um the title or the name that they gave it well
5: our, and, our and that's, that's,
1: that's that's an interesting thought,
5: yeah, and are we going to have to do it by uh putting a law into the legislature and having a change that way, or are we going to have to do it through lawsuits?
1: Well, I think that Kurt is saying that the law is already there within the Constitution. Yes,
0: yeah, well, it they is. We don't
1: need a it new is, law.
0: It, it is there. And remember, too, that the word civil is specific to the District of Columbia. That's the public. The public is D.C., the welfare state. It is not reality. So, again, civil rules when they put those in play in what
3: 1939
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't apply to us they don't apply to the living they only apply to the characters those things that they created for um commercial use not for us
2: well you don't have to worry yeah. about the federal rules of civil
1: procedure <laughs> uh oh Well, what, what a lot of people have have uh about or or theorized about is simply that um with the uh, advent of large corporations in america those corporations did not have standing to sue the american people for violations of what contracts they might enter because it was apples and oranges it was oil and vinegar they were two different jurisdictions And so what the Congress got induced to create was the development of corporate identities for every man and woman in America so that the large corporations had equal footing to sue them, all right? And that prior to that, they were just going to be left holding the bag. And so in some respects, you could think that, well, maybe that was equitable, Maybe uh, just because you're a corporation doesn't mean you should take it in the butt, you know, because somebody decided to renege on their agreement. And so there's that element that, you know, is valid. But on the other side, uh, a man or a woman shouldn't be forced to be something that they don't know that they are either. Right? So well, it really comes down to full disclosure and being able to make an intelligent choice about your life.
0: But if you don't have the authority because of some mechanism, some machination, some device that you don't know exists and you're, and you're stuck under some administrative rules, they don't apply. And That's what's so weird about this stuff is, you know, I always tell people, the devil's in the details and you're not going to find the answer in the details. You're going to find it very simple. It's going to be a very simple thing. And when they, when they decided... Uh, in 1933, to take all this stuff away. I mean, there's a lot of biblical garbage in this, a lot of biblical principles that are in play here. But the thing is, is that when you get back to reality, they cannot act against you in a commercial realm or in a commercial system. And that's the beauty of this. This is not, this is not pretend anymore. This is reality. So, okay, yeah, well, I, I, I,
1: I, it, I'd like to move on to our, our next caller. Um, Thank you so much, Um, and uh, let's go to northeast or northern Illinois or northeastern Illinois. Um, I happen to think that there's a very wise woman on the end of that call. Um, Do you have any questions for Kurt? Hello? Hello? Hello, Northern oh. Northeastern Illinois.
2: Oh, hi. Are you talking to me?
1: I must be because you're answering. <laughs> <laughs> I
6: wasn't sure if I was muted or not. Um, so I have a question. I have a few questions, and I'm just formulating them in my mind here. How many instances of foreclosures has this been applied to in foreclosure cases? Specifically in Illinois, we're we're a judicial state, so I'd like to hear more about that. Where else is this being implemented? If not just in Illinois, where else are you seeing this happen successfully? Where foreclosure cases are just being
0: dropped? Can I can I feel that one, Greg? Go ahead. Okay. Well, remember at the beginning, if you were on the beginning of the show, Greg said that what if you could actually make the uh, so-called defendant disappear from the case.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what, it's never. we've never even, this is just something that, because Greg and I are friends, and he knows that what I'm doing right now, you know, getting people back to reality, he said one day, about three weeks ago, he said, wouldn't it be interesting is if what you're doing for you on all the other cases actually worked in the mortgage fraud? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, what if, what if you actually could just, because you can't, I'm going to tell you, the answer is right here, here's the doorway. I'm going to tell you what the doorway is, and, and and you can go look it up for yourself. The doorway is Title 26, 6013G4A. That's you getting out of the District of Columbia. Again, let me say that again. Title 26, 6013G4A. That's where the revocation of election comes in. That's where you change your status, and you remove yourself from the Bar Association's grip. So I'll say it one more time, and for people that really, really need to learn this stuff, that's where you disappear from the the, the, the democracy, so to speak, that FDR created or made made certain everybody was part of in 1933.
3: Mm-hmm. Here it
0: is, Title 26, 6013, G4A. That's the doorway out of the District of Columbia. Um,
3: so is it's this not about related it's not to about
6: citizenship type thing. I mean, what is the impact here then of, you know, IRS and doing business and employment it's and Social Security and healthcare. I mean, it's health care? mean, all of
2: it. It's all
0: of it. You are no longer subject. You're dropping to out of
6: society altogether. Is that the idea here? It's, no,
0: no, it's not, you're not you're, you're not doing that. See, a lot of people get scared. I'm saying that you're taking finally. I'm
6: just asking the question. It uh, here, scare me, but, here we go.
0: Here we go. The funniest thing in the world for people to hear, the hardest working people hate when I say this, you are irresponsible. You're completely irresponsible. You're tre- the, re- the reason you're treated like a child by the District of Columbia is because you're not responsible for your own life. You're part of the welfare state. The District of Columbia is the welfare state.
3: When you remove
0: yourself from the welfare state, you are 100% responsible. They treat you like an adult, and you're no longer part of this mortgage fraud either. So the whole thing is about responsibility. The welfare state that was created with FDR's New Deal was making everybody a child. And now the government's treating everybody like a child. You pay taxes, then? Okay, let me answer that. If you're in the District of Columbia, if you choose that path, you absolutely owe. If you choose to become part of reality, private property is not taxable. and That includes your labor. Your labor is not supposed to be taxable. We need to start asking the right questions. If my labor is my private property and private property is not taxable, why am I being taxed on it? It's because it's not your property. It's, a, it's under administrative control of the District of Columbia. So to answer your question, when you get yourself out of D.C., when you pull yourself or revocate, when you find yourself back at home in reality, your property is private. And that includes intellectual, physical, and genetic property. You are not subject to D.C. You're not subject
1: to the IRS. And I'm going to insert this one quick disclaimer once again, that the opinions of the folks on the call are their own (laughs) and not the opinions of the call.
6: Okay, so how do you define real estate again?
0: Land, but the real estate, I'm just going to get a little crazy here for a second. The real estate that they're talking about is your physical body. The Roman Catholic Church, through the Summa Theologica, way back through St. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas, says all product of mother's womb is land, and that land has an appurtenant title. And in my case, the land of my soul, my physical body is called Curtis Richard Kallenbach. That's the certificate of live birth title. That's the title they're acting on in all of this. At all these activities, they're not acting on the brick and mortar house. They're acting on the title the title to your life. You're the one that's that's securing all this, the, the whole security. All of these securities are based upon your promise to pay through your labor. And so when people realize this and understand that real estate is your land, it's the land of your soul, it's your physical body.
1: And, Kurt, I, 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 an like I, I just no, like this. I'm to
6: just your background, because I is am a licensed. Uh, broker, so your definition of real estate underneath the statute and everything is not accurate.
0: So Don't, I just want to black's law, black's law def- defines real estate as land. Period. I just got a real estate stamp on on a, on a deed to my physical body. They call my body real estate. It doesn't matter what you've been told. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you on this because I already know the truth. I mm-hmm. know the legal okay. the legal definition. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's land.
1: Kurt, go. Right, yeah. uh, okay, time out, guys. I will say that Kurt emailed me a scan of the document he's talking about, mm-hmm. and he made a claim on his body, his 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 self, in That's the fine. county in which he lives, and they <laughs> included a real estate stamp on it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's
1: on there. Okay. No, so, so the, what county I'm to... the county recognized that his body was real estate. Right.
6: And so what I'm trying to get to is for people that are on the call that are homeowners that are fighting their mortgage foreclosures. This is an interesting theory, but what is the practical application in an actual foreclosure case? There's a lot of people who run theories up the, the flagpole, and some people are willing to do that. There's a lot of
1: homeowners. Yes, I agree. I agree, but I agree with
6: you 100%. There are a lot of homeowners I've talked to over the years that I've been involved in this in my own personal fight and talking to homeowners around the country that are totally overwhelmed by the implosion of their lives, okay? They're scared, they're confused, there's just... And so what I seek for when I listen to calls like this is tell me the practical application for a homeowner who doesn't have the time, the resources, or the ability to go down and thoroughly research like you have, and give them something to hold on to rather than have them go into court on something that hasn't been proven yet. You see what I'm saying?
3: Sure. And then the judge, uh, I, the judge just totally get it.
6: out. I mean, so what you're essentially saying is if somebody filed one of these affidavits that you're suggesting they just disappear off the records. It just yes. doesn't make sense when we've got banks sending contractors in and raiding people's homes when they're at the grocery store. You
0: they know? don't have a right. They no longer have a legal right. Let me explain what the title does. And, and you, as, a, as a broker, you, you, you work with titles all day long. Here's what the title is. <clears throat> and this is pretty, pretty scary to me. If everything I do is through... Curtis Richard Kallenbach, or some, some derivation thereof, and they have legal authority over that title. In other words, when I go to work and get a paycheck in, in, in some derivation of Curtis Richard Kallenbach, and they have the authority over that title, nothing I do in that name is mine. People are going in and making claims that are not even close to true. Your paycheck is not yours. It's not yours. It's only through the benevolence of, 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 of the government do you get to keep any of it because you've never, ever got back to, your, to ownership of that name. Anything you do through that name is somebody else's property to deal with. So this is not theory. I'm just telling you, but it's not. Greg brought this to my attention three weeks ago saying, my God, Kirk, if if you actually could apply this in the mortgage problem then you would actually in theory at this point disappear the the defendant from their claim from the bank's claim
3: mm-hmm.
0: and that's the we're we're just kind of i I know this sounds bad on a call like this but it's just kind of fun greg brought this to my attention 3 weeks ago and you know what i said it should work because it works in every other situation and that's all that i'm saying is that when you get back to reality the mortgage the, the, the debt pledge is gone. It doesn't even exist.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So, Terry, you understand, this is the first documented conversation that anybody besides Kurt and I have ever had on the topic of using this strategy, okay? Uh, we're not I... telling you that, we're not saying that this has worked all over the country. We're saying that a couple of goofballs who have been researching the world that we live in, like you, for so many years, you know, came to, you know, uh, uh, a starstruck moment where we thought, oh, my goodness, what if? Right. If this works here and here and here, what if? And I would like folks to think about this as a possibility. Think about, think about it like Doug Flutie throwing the Hail Mary pass at the end of the game when they knew they were going to lose and he, the, the receiver caught it and they won, okay? Think about it like go ahead and do all the things that you're comfortable with all day long. Hire lawyers, pay thousands of dollars, do everything. And when everybody totally fails you and there's nothing else left to do, if you do this and it all goes away, wow.
6: So could be. He- right?
0: So you did this on your own property? No, I, no this, we've never done this on, on, on a home well, that you your guys... Well,
1: son, your son being your property. <laughs>
0: okay, you know what? Yeah, if you, if you go back to that, when I claimed my son as my property, it's my private property. See, the, the home is not private property. It's public. It's in the public domain. Your name, what you believe to be your name, is in the public domain. It's not private property. I
6: understand the, the theory, but what this is a, this call I thought it was about mortgage foreclosures and defense and concepts, so I wanted to hear if you personally had done this on your own on your own real estate
0: so I, you know what here's, here's what I do and now. Mortar. in in And in, in probably within a couple of months, I know some people that are panicking at this point, and they've tried everything everything that's ever been suggested and I'm going to give them this Hail Mary and let let the you know this is it for them Share sale, whatever. Oh, you know what I mean? It's already happening. Why not?
1: And, and, Why and not? on the record, and on the record, I'm going to be doing this.
0: Okay. Well, keep us posted. Oh. Let us know how it works. <laughs> but but to be fair, I I normally don't talk on these things, these kinds of shows, because practical application, I, I don't know of any. You know, I know what works. I know it's worked in two completely different instances, and it, and I knew it would work. I actually know it would work in this case, too, but I'm not going to tell people to do it. Okay. I, couldn't tell, I couldn't tell people to do it because they have to understand the mechanism. I understand the mechanism. I know that the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. That includes mortgages. That includes uh, the IRS. It, it includes everything. And, and people so do realize Kirk. the guys that wrote the Constitution wrote that doorway.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Kirk, for those who are afraid, okay, let's let's examine this on a couple different points. One, folks would like to be able to keep their house and not be kicked to the curb. Two, folks would like to know whether or not there's actually another party out there that they owe money to or not. Third, folks if they feel that they have been unjustly treated and unlawfully treated and criminal actions have been taken upon them through fraud or other things, would like to know if they have the ability to recover financially from the damage that has been caused upon them. Is anything that you're suggesting going to eliminate anybody's ability... To recover financially, or keep their house, or anything else, is there a downside to this?
0: Uh, no, there isn't. Not at all. Not even even when people say, well, "If I if I pull myself out of whatever society, can I go to work?" Nothing. Yeah, of course you can. I, I had a buddy do this this re- declaration of revocation of election. <clears throat> He's a crane operator. He probably makes 100 bucks an hour. The moment he did this, the IRS quit hounding him. They stopped taking taxes out of his check. He's not a public person anymore. He's not part of the welfare state.
1: That's pretty profound.
0: It is, because it's real. I mean, this is, and you're not a tax protester. They wrote this into, their, into the world, into their laws. Because nobody owes taxes that isn't part of their world. And that's why I tell people if you're in D.C., if you subject yourself to D.C., you absolutely owe taxes. No, no getting around it.
1: No so, um, getting around it. are you saying that there is more than one country coexisting in the same time space?
0: In 1862 or 1864, they redefined the word state to mean District of Columbia during the Civil War. The state of of Illinois is the District of Columbia. The state of Wisconsin is the District of Columbia. The state of New Columbia has its own constitution. It's called the District of Columbia. Nobody knows what's going on, and you, you know what, until you know the truth of the matter... You can't deal with it. You can't. This is not patriot myth garbage. I'm so far beyond patriot myth. I only deal with the truth. And the truth of the matter is nobody's dealing with private property, they're dealing with public domain.
1: And, And somehow we've all been hoodwinked into agreeing that we're in the public domain. Is that what you're saying?
0: And all you do is remove yourself from the public and, and fall back into private. And, again, private property is not subject to
2: tax. Well,
0: how, can
1: you know, prove that? How, how, how can you prove that to me, Kurt?
2: <laughs> well, first of all, my,
0: my buddy had, had his employer stop taking taxes out of his check right off the bat. And you know what? Nobody's, nobody's complaining. Nobody's hounding him and, it's, and he doesn't have to struggle. He's not hiding from anybody. He still has his house. He's not going to lose anything. This, this is a very methodical man. And he did it the way it was intended, through 26 USC, 6013, G4A. There's your exit right there from the democracy. It's a welfare state. That's what D.C. is. FDR created a welfare state in 1933 and all the children in that state are subject to a father called the federal government and a mother called the Roman Catholic church. That's the way it is. Okay,
1: is. All right. Um, we're, we're already hit our hour boy, our hour, our long point here, but we've got more callers who would like to get questions in. Um, Thank you so much for really an invigorating conversation there, uh, <laughs> Northeastern Illinois. And uh, we're going to move to North Georgia for the next question. Um, again, everybody, this is all recorded. You can always go back and listen to this. And I'm going to try to wrap this up in the next 30 minutes because I know some people like to have like four-hour-long phone calls, but I think that's ridiculous. Um, it's important to keep things as as short and concise as possible so that folks can actually go listen to them and find things. Um, Again, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to try to wake up uh, North Georgia. You're the next hand raised. Please go ahead. This is Kurt. Go ahead.
2: Uh, North Georgia,
1: are you there?
7: Yeah. Can you hear me?
1: Yes. hear you loud
7: and clear. Yeah, well, uh, I think you saw my question about Citizens United and how that comports with uh, the theory. And also, even, uh, shall we say, if if this is a valid mechanism, I find it very difficult to accept the proposition that uh, the government that relies on tax dollars be it a welfare state or whatever classification you choose to use, will willingly allow its revenue stream, if you will, to exit in mass and basically, essentially, uh, lead to the, uh, I guess, the destruction of what it, whatever it is that we currently live in. So, given that, wow. trim, uh, those two, I guess, those are two uh, considerations I wanted to have a. Right, can I? Can I? Are you going to stay on? Can I? Uh, let me
0: answer the. The first one is no tax dollars are used for anything in in America. No tax dollars stay here. They don't. They don't. They go to. They go to. To the Queen of England. They don't stay here. So the tax dollars are not being used for anything that people think it is. The second thing is that.
1: And, they, and by the they, way, that's why they shot Ronald Reagan.
0: The second thing is, is that. Th- th- how many people? First of all most people will never do what I'm I'm saying or suggesting because they A, won't believe it, and B, it's too much mental gymnastics. You have to change your, not just your perspective, but your entire upbringing to believe that the government doesn't care if you leave. In fact, you're you're a burden if you don't leave. That's what the welfare state's all about. It's a burden. And when you remove yourself as a burden, you're no longer the problem. So the, the law is in your favor to find your way home, to get back to reality and remove yourself from the dole from the welfare state list, and be treated like a man or a woman, an adult, male or, or female, and not as a child. That's the whole thing. this is about responsibility, and that's all.
7: That's all it really amounts to. And I'm okay. not trying to offend anybody I'm not trying to offend anybody, just so you know. No, no, but you said, list, so where's this list? And by whom is this list maintained? Uh,
0: CRS, Congressional Research Service, actually maintains the list for the Library of Congress.
7: And I would take you that is that available for public consumption or is it somehow guarded information? No, you can find it. I mean, again, I, I've done all this myself,
0: and I and at this point in my life, Um, I'm not doing work for anybody anymore because most people want you to do all the work. And until you know it for yourself, until you actually know it for yourself, you see it for yourself, you found all the connections, you're not going to believe anybody. I always joke with people right now that if I came up to me, if I came up to me, I wouldn't believe me. You see how funny that is? I wouldn't believe what I have to say unless I did my own research, which I've done. So... I, and, and, and remember, Greg brought me on just as a, a sort of a passing fancy about something that does work in other cases, hundred percent. Whether it whether it would you know be handled in the same way with mortgages, it should, as long as you stand your ground, as long as you know what it is you, of which you speak. They will test you all the way to the mat, all the way until you know it seems hopeless, and then they
1: let cool. you go. Hey, I just typed this. Hey, both guys. um, I just typed this onto the blog, but I want to say this out loud. Citizens United finally settled the question that all persons (parentheses) fictions are equal, but never addressed the question of we the people versus a person. Okay. Basically, Citizens United said all fictions are created equal. And all corporate entities have the same rights as an individual corporate man. That's all it said. It never addressed what it is to be a man or a woman in the real physical realm. The actual constitutors of the government. Okay? Persons are subscribers and are franchisees of the government. People are the sovereign cons- constitutors of the government. The government only has sovereignty by way of the sovereignty of the people. Okay? And once you realize that you take off your T shirt that says, you know, I'm a Mac user or I'm a, I'm a PC user or, you know, I love GMAC or Ford Trucks Rule once you get rid of that T-shirt that has your fictional identity off and you stand there naked, now you are royalty to the United States. And they have to do what you want. And this is a whole problem of removing yourself. You know, just think about it like this. It's almost crazy to think. I gave birth, and with my wife, God rest her soul, to four children. They owe their life to me. Now, I signed a contract with them that says I owe my life to them. Is that really true or is that a fiction? It's an absolute fiction. But I signed a contract with my children to say that I have to do what they say. But that's not real. I mean, I would still exist if it wasn't for them. They would They could all be dead and I would still exist. But... In in the world of government, you give birth to the government, and then they pretend to give birth to you. And then everybody believes it. And I think this is what he is talking about. I think this is what Kurt is talking about, is really, really understanding the fine-tooth comb analysis of these particular issues. Okay? Whether or not they're hard to swallow or easy to swallow, You know, just remember the old Matrix movie, take the blue pill, take the red pill. Some people could do either one easily, you know. But for some people that are in the middle, you know, they're going to sit there holding the red pill and the blue pill and staring at them going, I really don't know what to do. Would somebody tell me what to do? I'm afraid to make a decision. I don't know which way I should go. And what Kurt's also telling us is that if you go ahead and just go back to being an ordinary man and woman, and I don't need to overuse the word ordinary because that's actually an office of the church. Um, if you just go back to being a man and a woman, then things might start to change for you. And we're not trying to start a revolution. I'm not. I don't Maybe Kurt is, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to bring a, a different viewpoint to the table, specifically with regards to a possible way of forestalling or ending foreclosure cases against the people that I love, which are all of you on this call. Okay? I have not even met most of you. But I love you more than a bunch of imaginary baloney. Because if I don't do this and you don't do this, our kids and our grandkids are screwed. But that's just my perspective.
0: There is something, Greg, interesting about that little waiver. It can't hurt you. It can't hurt you. And and imagine if something so simple to understand. By the way, I'm, I'll i say the waiver. I'll say it right now on, on this call. Here's what it says. From the beginning, which God is my witness. I, Curtis, a true man of God, acknowledge all blessings given by God, repent all transgressions against God, and waive all claims without God. That's it. That's the whole darn thing. And the funny thing is, it, the, the judges know exactly what it means. It, they know what it means. You're letting go of the fiction. And it's the fiction that binds you, binds your property to the public binds your property to the public. The moment you relieve yourself of a grip upon the public domain or the public property, your property, all of it, becomes private. And now those courts don't have jurisdiction over the private man. There's no injured party.
2: Cool. Would you like to follow up with that?
3: Uh,
7: No, all I would say to that is uh, knowing that you are going to undertake it, we'll just have to stand by and and see, you know, what success or lack thereof you meet with. And I I just uh, find it, you know, difficult to believe uh, that all of the judges, it's almost like they would go through uh, some type of boot camp where this would be instilled into them that, if somebody comes before you and expouses this point of view, that you are from that point to you know view them as being released and as a private entity or, or what have you. I'll give. Well, you know, know the, uh, that's a very great question. The, huh?
1: That's a great question. I remember. I remember three years ago when I was uh, Carl Lentz's sidekick, and he was pushing all the common law stuff that he's you know become relatively famous for he discussed a particular case where he went to court and had spent fifty thousand dollars and everything and the judge said to him you know when you decide to show off here as a man you'll have something to say and until then this is how we're doing it and it caused him to pause and think about that and which is what inspired him to go forward and create the whole Carl common law um, mythology, right? And a lot of people have had success. A lot of people have had failure. And it's going to have a lot to do with if you're really in it, if you really believe it, if you're actually committed to it, or if you're just using it as a trick in a courtroom. And I think what Kurt is saying is what Carl is saying and that is, if you're really there, if you really own it, and that's who you are, they can't stop you. But if you're trying to use it as a courtroom trick to just win a case, they'll see through you, and you'll lose.
0: You know, Greg, what do you think, is, Kurt? Yeah, I, here's the thing is, I tell people, paper, paper doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know anything you fi- I mean, you- if you file something, that, that, that it can prevent something from occurring. But to me, the 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 thing is, um, it's your conviction. Where where do you really stand? Or if you're using this as a trick, like you said, if you're trying to use something this giant, and it is giant, by the way, for uh, getting out from under parking tickets and and all. I mean, if you're just trying to fix what's broken right now, don't do it. Because this is about reality versus fiction. If you choose that, that other path, God bless you. But I choose life. I choose to live as an adult. And, and again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but if you don't do something radical, you're going to be treated as a child. And that's what the court are there for. To treat everybody. To administrate over the child. Because they don't have the wherewithal to take care of their own business. And and that's what's happening here. Welfare state is for children. That's, it's that simple. It's for children. It's for parents' patriae. It's for the state to be your father and, and the church to be your mother. That's the way it works. So was it so,
1: Cindy Lopper who sang that song, Hell is for Children?
7: Pat Benatar.
1: Pat Benatar.
7: Close. Uh, last comment from me uh, regarding uh, the taxes going to the Queen of England. Uh, I was in the UK uh, back in June, excuse me, no, I'm sorry, that was the latter part of September and October, and, you know, just watching the local news, the BBC and what have you, and they were lamenting the woe of their financial uh, distress in terms of, you know, kind of similar to what's going on here, if we can believe what's being reported in the news about uh, the government doesn't have money for this, the government doesn't have money Mm -hmm. for that i just like to believe that as small as the U.K. And I know the Queen is immensely wealthy. I do believe that. Uh, but i like to believe if all of our tax dollars were going directly to the Queen, uh, things might be different. If I can take for uh, face value what's being reported about the various financial states of both uh, England and the United States.
1: Well, Undertaker, Undertaker, Greg, Greg is going to throw his two cents in and say, I don't care if it's Queen of England, Queen of Sheba, or if we're just burning it all in a giant furnace. It's not going to what we think it's going to. All right? It's disappearing and not being used for what we think it ought to be used. It's going to someplace else wherever the hell. It could be going into a black hole to another galaxy, all I know. You know, it's just not being used here. It is the siphoning off of the actual life energy of the American people to somewhere. And I don't know where that is yet. Kurt thinks it's the Queen of England. I can't confirm that. But I know that it's not being used here. Ronald Reagan, in the Grace Report that he commissioned, proved that 100% of our tax dollars, we're not going to a single damn thing that we had for road construction, or medical relief, or or anything, and they shot him. I mean, Ronald Reagan is the first conservative president that was shot. All the other ones were liberals, even Andrew Jackson. But no, Ronald Reagan got shot because they wanted to put a a, a bullet in his body to say, hey. Don't talk about this crap, man, and after that, he shut up and shut down. You know he was he actually proved through the grace report that all of your tax dollars disappear and do not go toward anything in the infrastructure of america and Just go read the grace report this is This is totally in the box. Okay, so when Kurt or me or anybody says this stuff, please don't think that oh, okay Fox Mulder has arrived on the scene.
3: No, <laughs>
1: this is not. This is this is totally, you know, in the pocket, square deal. Everybody knows it, but nobody reads it. And if you don't know it, it's your fault because it's available to you. To the Freedom of Information Act, and you can download it. You can actually, actually download the entire grace report.
0: You know, Greg, what's, and, I, and I have to say this too, is that over all the years of me doing, making attempts at things, I've never believed anything second, third, fourth hand. You know, I know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that this occurred. I, I, I never believed any of it. I was always waiting for first-hand experience. And I got it. So my, my point is is that I don't think anybody should believe me. They should prove things for themselves. Go do your own research. And sadly, I mean, earlier when she says, we don't have time to do this stuff, the only person that will do it for you is you. Either This is the problem. Mm-hmm. The only person right. that is worth your time is you.
1: Great. Now, reset your brain because South Carolina, upstate, is now going to join the call and ask you a question hello south
3: carolina
5: hello now i'm trying to remember oh um let's just say that you are a veteran and you have a uh a pension from the or veterans benefits do you lose your benefits if you do this
0: absolutely not see when you gain control and authority over your name yeah it's all now it's your property in fact is, is, are the veterans' benefits be Do they get taxed? No. Not at all.
5: Not that I know of, but I'm not an expert at this.
0: Okay, what I'm saying though is that once your name is in your possession, maybe probably for the first time in your life, then then everything is actually yours. I. It's hard for people to understand, but your name is being administrated over by the federal government. Right now, that name is held in a in a in a in a trust, and. They are administrating your property in a public trust, a charitable public trust. People don't realize it, but the word care, C-A-R-E, is the root to charity. So when they have us saying, going, you know, talking to your buddies, your friends, your girlfriends, whatever, hey, take care. Yeah, you too. Why don't you just change the word out from take care to take charity? Because that's what it means. So they have us using the words they need us to say. So we keep reinforcing their policy their ideas their their magical system their magic their magic kingdom so to speak reality and fiction are not they they, they don't, it's oil and water they don't fit well together you can't have one foot in the grave and and, and call it life
5: okay now the or what any other government programs medicare um state programs social security what about all that stuff if if
3: you
0: have the authority over your name nothing changes that's what i guess maybe that's the hardest part well, it's is that people do it, it doesn't nothing changes it's actually yours now
5: okay uh, up in, until up that point you didn't have to pay taxes anymore okay you said that right I, no,
0: I didn't. I said when you find your way out of the District of Columbia, you're no, you're no longer taxes are no longer required because your property's private now. In the District of Columbia, that's the public and that's a co- a commune, a community. It's it's a communist society, and and you you absolutely owe taxes in the District of Columbia. You do not owe taxes on your private property. What I said is when you find your way home to privacy, to private property. Taxes are no longer a part of your life. Everybody that's in D.C. owes taxes.
5: All right. I'm not talking about Washington, D.C. I'm talking about I'm living in South Carolina. Do I owe federal taxes?
0: The word state was -hmm. redefined in 1864 to mean the District of Columbia. When they talk about the state, they're talking about D.C. South Carolina, the state of South Carolina, is a political subdivision of the District of Columbia. It is not where you think it is. Okay. I'm just telling you that the persons that are, everything that is attributable to this all goes back to, the D, to D.C., the District of Columbia. It's its own private government. It's, it, they call it the public, but that's the public welfare state. Nobody owns property in the District of Columbia. Nobody owns property in the welfare state. In fact, in 1935, a, a Senate commission or a Senate report came out that said, all property rests in the state so there is if you're in the District of Columbia if you found your way through some fictitious character born almost the same day as you that character resides in the District of Columbia and is subject 100% to all the rules and regulations of DC it has its own constitution for crying out loud but again I know this to be true I don't expect anybody to believe me it's not I don't care I'm not offended if they don't
1: because I know where
0: I'm at now and I'm safe and so is my wife.
1: Okay. So, but, but at the same time, Kurt, uh, what you're also saying is that just because you decided to realize that uh, you're not the party that you thought you used to be, but that's just a party that you have a relationship with, you know, you're a fictional person. During the time that you as a man or a woman, invested yourself and put value into that character. Right. You still have a right to claim the value that you put into it. By separating yourself as a man versus the fiction, by bifurcating or splitting the joinder, if you will, between yourself and that party, that fictional entity, It does not discount the fact that you actually are the only existing being that put any value into that character, and that whatever value you did pay into Social Security or retirement or uh, military uh, benefits or anything else, they're still owed to you.
0: It's yours. You know, the fiction doesn't show up at work. The fiction doesn't attend school. The fiction doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any physical substance or existence. You're just right. using something that, that was created. Remember, the, your creator was a combination of mother and father. Your biological creation is mother and father. But somebody else created another character that they own the rights to. It's intellectual property of somebody else. And if you're no, using and... their intellectual if, they're, if you're using their intellectual, intellectual property, if you're using their property, they're entitled. It's called Correct.
1: usufruct. And, the usufruct. And the reason that I... Usufruct, and I understand this because in 1985, I created my own fiction. And I used that fiction as a way of doing business with other fictions. And then if I decide to kill that fiction... I don't die. I'm still here. See? But most people who just go into the world of employment and don't start their own business and learn and understand, I don't mean just starting your own business and trusting an accountant and a lawyer. I mean actually reading, learning, understanding what it is to have created that fictional business entity, really knowing what that is, then you understand that you you are the controller of everything because you're a real man creating a fiction. And because I did that so many decades ago, and I studied what I did and learned what I did, when I started learning about how the titled person called Greg Graper is not me, and it was just another construct within the system of economics. And then it just made complete sense i mean, i my favorite example for everybody to think about is um, what's his name ah, the investment guy. Oh heaven, I just had a brain fart um. What is what is the uh, most famous guy for stocks and bonds and everything? Get your own account. What's his name? Oh, heavens. All right. Not going to happen. Um, so anyway, um, you can create your own fictions. You can have three things named Kurt Kellenbach. You can have Kurt Kellenbach, the trust. You can have Kurt Kellenbach, the man. You can have Kurt Kellenbach, the LLC. You can have Kurt Kellenbach, the corporation. You can, have Kurt you can create like five or six separate fictions, all named Kurt Kellenbach, and they're all legally separate entities, right? Charles Schwab, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> if I write to check to Charles Schwab, and he takes and cashes it into his personal account, can I sue him for having it not going into my investment account? No, because Charles Schwab is Charles Schwab. Or what about his, his Social Security account or anything else? You know, they're all separate entities, all named Charles Schwab.
2: But everybody thinks Charles Schwab is the business. But it's not. <laughs> There's three or four Charles Schwabs. And we're all doing business as Charles Schwab. So, how do you know which
1: one you're dealing with? You don't.
5: Yes, there is a way. You have to know what the EIN number is, or the FEIN number, which is the federal number for a specific business, so they can tax
1: them. I agree, but they don't send that to you in a, in a letter or a bill. It's never on there.
5: They don't. You have to you have to search it out. You can call them up and make believe like you're going to pay a bill, and you need to know that number, and they'll give it. Or you can actually call the IRS and ask for it.
1: Well, I'm just saying is that it's just as easy for you to create an armful of fictions that nobody can figure out as any big corporation. And that's what I learned in creating my own business, because I could create so much damn distraction that nobody could ever figure out where the hell I am or who I am or whatever. And I found it very interesting and entertaining, but I never did it. I always wanted people to be able to find me in the capacity that I was dealing with them Because, you know, my parents raised, you know, a God-fearing, guilt-ridden man, you know, that really wanted to do the right thing. Too bad I wasn't raised by bankers. I could have been a billionaire by now.
5: So the rest
2: of us. So what
1: do you think about that? I think before we get too late here, we should go to Northeast Illinois, who's got a question um thank you south carolina
6: somebody does
1: and this Let's see. i'm really i'm sorry we just clicked on
3: there you go
6: hello can you hear me now yes okay so my question is this um say somebody actually you know does this revocation or whatever and say the case whatever, but it still doesn't answer the question that, you know, as Kurt's calling the corporation of D.C. or whatever. And I I understand your theory, and it's interesting. However, I think it's exceptionally dangerous for homeowners, especially the ones that I've seen that are struggling to do what is right within their capacity to do so, and even homeowners that have done the right thing, and and you know, um, they have found that the sheriffs come and throw them on the throw them on the street. So I mean, while this is an interesting concept, it's not been tried yet, and I think it's treacherous um, to suggest it until there's some proven cases. Because there are homeowners that are extraordinarily vulnerable, and we've heard of countless of cases around the country where the sheriffs just go in even before due process has happened and these people are on the street. You know, so I think this is a very risky concept to introduce. Never mind. Um, you know, <laughs> there are the MIB, so to speak, and you could be putting people at great risk. I, I just caution, while I understand the concept, I've I've heard this from other areas and read it in other places Um, I think it's exceptionally dangerous when you're talking about people's homes, their livelihoods, their children. I've seen elderly. I've seen people at all different stages of life. And I would, before introducing a concept like this, make sure that you're not potentially putting otherwise extraordinarily vulnerable people at great risk. That's all I'm
3: saying. I agree agree with
6: you. You you could be private. They don't care. You know what? Justice, the government, the, um, you know, Sheriff's Department, they don't care what your protestation is. They get an order to go and throw somebody out of their property. That's exactly what they're going to do. And you can stand there on the curb with all your belongings and, and wave your private flag all you want. Okay, so I'm just cautioning this discussion and maybe some more research and people need to try it for themselves if they're willing to do it. I personally would never take this step with regards to my home when I'm in the middle of litigation with a one point two trillion dollar organization that's got more resources than you know most homeowners combined that are trying to save and stay in their homes, so I just really sure. Is caution to this discussion, and that's
1: all I have. That's great to say that, because I think we said a couple times that this is an untried thing. This is an idea that was hatched a a few weeks ago as a possible thing, as a last-ditch Hail Mary to help people have something after they've exhausted all their other stuff.
0: But, but right? look, look, i gotta jump, I got to jump in before my phone dies, Greg. i got to say this. What? There is no private property out there. When she used the word homeowner, I cringed because she can't ever own that home because she doesn't have the rights to the title
3: ever. You
6: know what, you know what Kurt? When you demonstrate this with your own property, come back and tell us about it, Okay. Because I, t- I understand the theory, but put, it, put, put your theory to practice on your own property.
3: Okay, I put it, I put it in
0: practice on my son. I'm not talking about
6: your son. This I'm is just, real estate. This is mortgages and mortgage foreclosure defense. We're not talking about... DIY your house
0: tickets. is community property, ma'am. It's community property. Don't ever say you own it because you can't. You live, in a private, you live in a public community where your house is my property, too. And if I place a demand on your house... Oh, yes, you're, good luck. You're Bring
6: it. I'll see you in the courthouse. Okay? No, you won't. You're out of line. There. Okay. Ma- ma'am,
0: Enough. ma'am, stop. You don't understand what I'm saying, and I, I, it's, I'm good with that. I'm not going to argue with somebody that has no concept of what I just spoke of at all. Well, not because you, like you haven't
6: been in practice. Like, like, I'm an evidentiary mm. type of person. Show me the evidence in the housing market, and then I'm mm. a believer.
3: All right,
1: uh, I want, ladies and gentlemen, would you please let Greg say a quick word that just it just popped into my mind um, a while ago on a completely unrelated thing to foreclosure or everything else. I had a problem with my electricity, and I had to get my backup generator out of the garage and plug it into my house to run my house. Some neighbor called the city of Chicago's 311 number and complained of the noise of my generator while I was limping through getting things fixed. They sent an inspector from the city of Chicago. And he started telling me that he brought this little sound level meter with him. He goes, look, it's greater than 85 dB SBL and everything. I go, is that the only problem? Don't worry about it. I'm a sound engineer. I'll just create a baffle and we'll get it toned down so it doesn't bother the neighbors. Oh, no, he says, that's not the problem. He says, you need a permit to do that. I go, what, I need a permit to rescue my home to take care of my my issues? Yeah, you do. I go, bullshit. I said, this is private property. And he looked at me dead in the eyes. He said, there is no private property in Cook County. And I said, what? He said, there is no private property in Cook County. And I said, I beg to differ. I said, you know, maybe we're above your pay grade. He goes, I'll see you in court. And left. And that is, it it turned into two years of ridiculous court nonsense where they had assessed penalties against me of $485,000 at $1,000 a day that I had to eventually trump kill, and make them all go away, which I won. But the point is, is that a city inspector knew that there was no private property in Cook County. And I had to do some magical mystery tour stuff in order to make it go away. And in the end, the judge just looked at me and said, All this stuff is valid, but you ain't going to hear it in my court dismissed. (laughs) Threw it all out. Because if I had won, I would have had a half a million dollar lien against the city of Chicago they would have had to pay. All right? There is no private property in Cook County, just like Curtis saying. Because it's
2: all in the public domain.
1: You have to know what you're doing, you have to know who you are, and you have to stand in the right forum, and you can't waver, and you can't be double-minded.
6: And you also have to be prepared to take on the forces that are going to try and quash you in the process.
1: Yes, and I took on the city of Chicago and the county of Kurt and Wong in that ridiculous matter.
6: But in a real estate deal, it's going to be, it it could be vastly different. I mean, Kurt and... um, Greg, you've heard many, many, many stories around the country of people, and you've experienced it yourself. You're out of the house for a day and look at what happens. Okay? I don't need to go into this any further, and I'm not saying that the, that the concept doesn't have merit by any stretch. I'm saying I'm just being mindful of the treachery of what you're potentially exposing people to by suggesting Correct. that you can file an affidavit that makes them a private citizen and that they're not going to be subjected to the forces that are, you know?
1: Right. right. And I don't believe that from the beginning of this call tonight to now, which we should probably wrap up here in the next couple of minutes, is an endorsement that folks should go run off and do this tomorrow morning. This was simply an academic investigation of a new different possible approach that we haven't examined before and it's going to require everybody participating thinking writing talking and helping bring it and prove it to be something of value or not in this particular issue okay this was not an endorsement this is not a sales pitch Kurt's not making any money on this i'm not certainly you're not, this is just opening the door, opening the window to a different viewpoint, putting the conversation onto a lazy Susan and spinning it around 180 degrees and looking at it from the other side. That's all.
0: Uh, and Greg, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go now, but here's, here's what I will do. I'll come back on the call when I have evidence that this works how is that is that a, is that a deal with you Craig?
1: That would be lovely
0: all right that's it i i I really have nothing more to say but um
1: okay um, just if you uh, do give me a favor in the last sixty seconds take one more question from south carolina please okay
5: okay hey, i'm just thinking I'm thinking like a litigator because that's all I ever did um there's a possibility. And I'm only saying this is a possibility, that you might have one suit going when you do this to protect yourself from two directions. I at one time had two suits going with regard to my foreclosure, one in federal, one in state. So just just throw that out there into the mix. You know what I mean? Sort of like protecting your rear end.
3: Yeah, okay. the-
0: the federal government is acting as fiduciaries over the public's property, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's the way it's working. So when the people understand that their property is not their property because it's in, it's, it, it's in trust, it falls under an act of trust, I'm just saying that when you find your way back to the, the world of the private, remember, even Shakespeare said, to be or not to be. That means that if you choose to not be, that's the fictitious realm. I choose reality, and only a living man can act for himself so everything else is acted upon by fiduciaries and the federal government's a fiduciary over the public property and that's the way it's going to work forever until the people decide to get into the present moment and get themselves out of that fiction so by the way thank you that was a really neat uh thing to say thank you
5: just the hell you know if you're going to fight <laughs> fight right use everything
0: is- <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I, Greg, I got to go, man. My phone's going to die. Thanks, Kirk. All right. Well, you're, everybody, you're thank
1: welcome. you. Bye, Greg. Turk, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. And, uh, dude, do, do you have uh, that email, that uh, website, one more time before you go? Say it again. What is that website Cindy did for you?
0: Oh, oh yeah. Um, trustandcontract.wordpress.com. And, and realistically, for people that are on this call, it's going to be tough to swallow because everybody's here for mortgage call. But I'm telling you that when you understand, mortgages do not exist in, in reality. They don't exist for living men or women. So uh, that, that's right a on fact. That's a fact. So i got to go. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk later, Greg.
1: All right. Thanks, sir. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Everybody else, any other questions or thoughts that they would like to throw in here before we turn this off? Then I'm going to say thank you, everybody, tonight for being here, and uh, God bless you all, and uh, hope your holiday season goes well, and... uh, you can always email me at lawman at u s and ask me questions. Oh, Guest 9 has a question, just asking us to hang on before we cut off. Too bad Guest 9 is not connected by telephone. I've got to read what he's writing here. <laughs> Let's see, there's only one other party or two other parties. Yeah, Musing gun is also available. Can you hear me? I hear you, Musing
2: Awesome.
4: I didn't know how to get unmuted. Um, I have evidence. We have followed. This is Alaska calling, and we have followed Kurt's trail. And we didn't have both pieces because Kurt didn't have the waiver back then. But the court here, which is, you think they're corrupt? They are nowhere more corrupt than here because we're so far from the lower 48. Nothing stops them. And I personally have worked in the legal field since 1995, so I know what they know. We recorded the Paramount claim and filed it into our foreclosure, and we shut the court down for three weeks two to the day. Not only did we shut them down, the docket stated they were taking it under advisement. They didn't know if what we filed was yes. adequate to stop them. We now have the waivers. Kurt recorded them for us. We're recording them in Anchorage, which will be a double witness and we will be filing that waiver into the eviction case into, and we just, we just lost possession. This is going to flip them on their heads. Um, and we're also going to put it into the foreclosure case. As soon as we have results, we will let you know.
3: Okay.
1: That sounds pretty encouraging.
2: Are you still there?
4: I am. I am. I'm just in awe of being able to shut a court down for three weeks. I I don't know anyone. I, I know a lot of attorneys. I've never seen any attorney, a paralegal, a lawyer, which are, they're not the same thing, um, a counselor at law ever shut a court down for three weeks? They literally had to go all the way back to down the rabbit hole to see if what we filed that was recorded on the record could stop them. They had to to see how much of the puzzle did we have. So there is evidence. There is, and when we when we rec- when we file after recording it a second time in our uh, city or county of nativity. There's a double witness, and when it goes into the court case, they're not going to be able to argue, number one, we will be without their jurisdiction. They won't be able to say anything. They won't be able to even notice us because they no longer have that privilege because we're not taking their benefits.
1: We are Um, outside. Can I I pause you for a moment, please? One 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 of the bloggers typed that they could not hear what you said because the call is a little bit um, distorted. Um, Okay. What what is it that you said you filed? We
4: recorded the paramount claim.
1: The paramount claim.
4: Yes, we recorded that, and then both my husband and I did. I, I was not a signatory or an autograph on the mortgage. However, I had to waive all of the homestead rights, which I later learned. And so my my autograph was on there also. So we both recorded the Paramount claim, and then we filed both of those Paramount claims into the, more, uh, the foreclosure case. And it shut
2: it down for three weeks. And so where is your
1: foreclosure case now?
2: Well, because we have some corrupt courts and we
4: didn't have the other half, which is the waiver, we weren't able to finish that. We now have it, so we'll finish it now and we'll know, we will know what it will do with the foreclosure that's already, they've already taken possession, so we'll know. We'll either get damages or they'll have to turn the house back to us. They won't have a choice.
1: Are Are you still in your
3: house? We
4: are not. They took possession about four weeks ago. But there's no one living in it either.
1: I'm surprised that they took possession uh, when the temperatures are so cold.
4: Uh, Alaska's a different critter. They don't have any, There's this corruption is so thick you could, yeah, it's ugly.
1: Yeah, but you can see Russia from there.
4: Thank you. (laughs) I don't want to be Rachel from here. (laughs) I'm not Sarah Palin, although I've been accused of looking like her. Anyway, um, it it does work. No court. I've been in courts in Washington, Oregon, California, Alaska. Never, never have I ever seen a court shut a case down for three weeks. Literally, we knew it was so significant what Kurt had. We didn't know exactly what we had, but we knew we had enough to make them stop. Their wheels gr- were at a grinding stop, and that was it. They stopped dead in their tracks for three weeks. When we realized that we didn't have all that we needed, then they rolled right over the top of us. But we have checkmate <sighs> with the waiver. So the
1: waiver one of the, one of the interesting little side conversations Kurt and I had a few weeks back is if people might consider that they're living in both a real world and a fictional world, but but the word fiction kind of like causes people to cringe because. When they think of fiction, they're thinking of Harry Potter or something like that, right? And they have a hard time understanding what the legal word fiction means, okay? And it's a lot easier to think of it more in terms of a game, playing a game. Like you get done with work, and it's Friday evening, and you and your husband get together with your other friends and go over to somebody's house, and you open up a box of Monopoly, and you start playing a Monopoly game, right? And the entire time that you're there, having a good time, eating snacks and drinking and playing Monopoly, for that moment, you're immersed in this artificial reality of Monopoly. And then when the game is over, everybody puts all the pieces back in the box, and you all shake hands and hug each other and go home. But in America, they don't let you ever leave the Monopoly game. <laughs> You're stuck in it. Well, you
4: have to be aware and, first that there is a game. If you don't, and, if you, yeah.
1: And Kurt's talking about a way of making it undeniably true to the rest of the world that you don't want to play the game anymore, that you want to go home.
4: Yes, that's what the Wizard of Oz was all about.
1: And, you know, it's like, oh, come on, you don't want to go home yet. You don't want to go home yet. Come on, come on, stick around for one more drink. And I'm like, no, I want to go home.
5: Yep.
1: Well, You well, can't go home because you gave us your car keys, and so now you got to stay. No, I want my car keys, and I want to go home.
4: Right. Even if this waiver doesn't resolve our case, which I, after everything that I have researched, and it's not just Kurt, I followed the guy, Carl I looked at Rob Ryder, I looked at Eddie and Boris, and there's a whole host, a whole host, the only one that has gone to the root and removed the root so that they can't even notice us, that they've dismissed the case, right? Is the paramount claim
7: and the waiver and the declaration
1: of revocation. Right. And to let people know that it actually involves getting a couple documents and getting something notarized and blah, blah, blah. um, But if you you go to that uh, website, uh, trustcontract.wordpress.com, I think most of those things are posted up there, and you can get a good handle on what steps you might want to try. And I'm not telling anybody to stop doing what they're already doing with their lawyers and their court cases or anything else. Keep going. So don't think that this is a silver bullet. But this is just another thing that you can add to your arsenal of information that you can do to help protect yourself or not, you know. We'll see how it all shakes out across the country. But I thought that it would be very interesting to bring Kurt into the call tonight, since we normally talk about foreclosure defense and foreclosure attack, and how we're always trying to get rid of the bank as a plaintiff, and saying they have no standing. What would happen if we could show that we have no standing? Poof! Right? What would happen if the defendant disappeared? Who would they sue? Yep. All right. Yeah.
3: Exactly. And they would have
1: to sue the. They would have to sue the Treasury Department of the United States of America. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
2: We learned so much about who we really were
4: and who we really are now, and that those benefits aren't worth the carrot that they dangle for you because you cannot live life, you just can't, it's incredible, anyway, I'd encourage anyone to at least go look, we went through five years of hell with a foreclosure, and whether we get the house or not doesn't matter, we're free, and that's what it's really all about. All right, thanks guys, Gotta run.
1: Hi, everybody. Um, Yeah, she hung up. Um, I got cut off, and I just had to call back in. And uh, that doesn't surprise me, because for some reason, every time I get on a two-hour phone call, my phone kills. I think it's something built into the system. So anyway, um, we are approaching two hours. We haven't quite got there yet, so that's good. It's a little bit more than I had hoped for, but, you know, there were some really great things. At the beginning, middle, and end of the call, that uh, I think folks can take away in terms of value. Guest um, nine, if you'd like to talk with me about some other things, you've got my email address. You can email me, and we can swap phone numbers, and and we can talk about some more stuff after the call. But I'd like to uh, put a fork in this baby and call it a night. Um, God bless you all. Thank you all for being here, for having open minds and open hearts uh, to try to help us figure out a way to be in control of our own lives, of our own selves, and maybe in our own communities, and maybe even America. Who knows? The truth is out there. And it's in your own heart. You just have to recognize it. So for me and for everybody and uh, the friends of Neil Garfield and uh, this goofy group that we've created, thank you so much. God bless you all and uh, hope to hear from you next week. And please, if you have questions that you'd like to have brought up on the show, email me and let me know. and I'll put those together, and then we can kind of, like, have an agenda to go through, except for, you know, other if you don't do that, then I've got to make it up myself. So I'd rather you guys help me make it up. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Bye-bye.